Hey everybody, welcome to The Jump Around, my podcast on women's basketball. For a lot of you, if you've listened before, you're obviously accustomed and used to my openings and kind of how this podcast goes as we dive into stories about people around the game, but I wanted to take a small pivot and and do something a little different. Uh, It's the end of Autism Awareness Month here in April, and I just wanted to to talk to some people around our game that have family members, and in this case, this is part one of two, but two coaches who, who have sons that have autism, and I just wanted to talk to them about their journey as a family through this and, and also just kind of touch on touch on autism and talk about uh, how they've dealt with it uh, as a family, the positives, the negatives, the misconceptions, things like that. So joining me first uh, is a LSU assistant coach, Aaron Kaloff. I know Aaron, we've interacted and passed and, and spent time on the road recruiting together and, and his son, has autism, and I know it's something that's near and dear to his heart as he continues to use his platform to advocate for others that you know, don't have resources to, to help uh, their children navigate through this. And, and so I just wanted to take some time really to just talk about something more important than basketball. So I uh, got Aaron on the phone here, and uh, I'll step away real quick, bring him right back. And this is the jump around. And welcome back to the Jump Around. And joining me for this special episode, I, I really do uh, appreciate uh, him taking the time out and doing this. But Aaron Kaloff, assistant coach LSU, uh, coach, thanks for being willing to take some time. I know the schedule's busy, but certainly talking about this uh, specific topic, I know it's important to you, and I appreciate you you being willing to hop on here with me. Yeah, it's a it's a great time. Uh, looking forward to discussing you know, autism but, and having the opportunity to uh, to share a little bit and uh, be with you guys today. So before we get into that, I do, I always want people to know, you know, who we're talking to and how they got there. I know you've had a, a long winding journey. You, you played at a few JUCOs, eventually play and graduate from Bemidji State, and then you get into coaching at, at the JUCO level on the men's side, kind of work your way over to the women's side, you're a head coach at Hill College and then Trinity Valley as a, an assistant, Arkansas State, TCU, now LSU. Your, your basketball journey has taken you all over the place. Uh, how has this sport kind of taken you places that you, you didn't expect? Because I imagine your journey is not one that you would have exactly laid out. No, it's been, uh, it's been kind of like you said, a winding road, but uh, one that kind of you know, I heard early in life that just put 10 toes to the ground, go to work, work hard, and see where it will take you. And I think, you know, part of it, everybody's coaching journey. At some point, you got to catch a uh, catch a break. It's about, you know, working for somebody that you, you know or you feel comfortable with. But uh, very fortunate, very fortunate. And uh, I just always look forward to being able to impact uh, young, young women's uh, lives. And give them a give them a, a little bit of insight, but also 
give them opportunity to see uh, what their what their possibilities in life are. At what point did because obviously there there's a, another part of you, right? Your better half, your wife. At what point did you two end up meeting uh, and and start your journey together? Yeah, so so I was coaching uh, men's basketball um, and just freshly out of college, um, and she was um, finishing up at a junior college. And then post her being at junior college, uh, she had kind of uh, we had talked a little bit, had some of the same interests. Uh, she was one that really. Uh, I'm one that really likes to give back to Special Olympics and in the community, and she was similar and kind of got us connected. And then the, the next thing you know, uh, our relationship kind of took off. And 16 years later, we've uh, been married <laughs> and got three beautiful kids. It's, yeah. it's been a, quite a journey, but she might be uh, one of the things that was the best about her. She might be one of the most selfless uh, people I've ever met, which is uh, enjoyable to have as a wife, but also makes her... Uh, so, you know, our kids are very fortunate to have her as a mother. Yeah, well, I was gonna say a a coaching spouse is that's the real MVP of the home because that winding road she went with you, right? So she's kind of been with you through the yeah. through every step. Yeah, and an interesting story is at one point in that winding road, uh, I had an assistant opening because uh, somebody had left um, to go back get closer to home, and I had to go get special approval. She was my assistant for my. Uh, last two years as a junior college head coach and was rewarding. I think, uh, the last year we went 28 and five and I give her a lot of credit because she, um, she was pretty, she was pretty good. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I mean, two years together, we're working on the same staff and you're still, you're still together all these years later. So good. Nice work there. Navigating that one. (laughs) (laughs) You have to, you have to find a way. And it was, Hmm. she understands, my work ethic and how I work and kind of, it's been a blessing in our marriage because she really, she really understands what it takes to be successful, especially the, the on, on the college level. Yeah. Um, well then, you, so you guys have your first child, Camden, who you're, who's your oldest. And, uh, and then a couple years later, you have your, your son, Calix and Calix for, for people who aren't aware does have autism. And so for me, as we get into this, this part into the nitty gritty of it, uh, if you don't mind, just taking me through how, you know, when Calix is born and, and going through and, and, and growing up, w- were there or when were there first for you guys, you kind of go, huh, I, I think maybe something's going on here. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously, had, you know, you had said with Camden having her early, uh, Camden's 12, Calix is 7. Well, we had had a, a period in between about when Camden was a little bit over three, uh, my wife had got pregnant, had a, a late miscarriage, hmm. got pregnant six months later, had a late miscarriage. So the, the gap between Calix and Camden, you know, Camden and Calix is about uh, five full years. And, but it wasn't without a little bit of struggles before. Okay. So then Calix was born. Um, in its first couple of years, uh, we were in, I was the assistant at Arkansas state at the time. And, they attributed a lot of his sickness uh, with his ears, his nose. He'd had tubes in his ears three times, had his tonsils out, had his adenoids out. Like it was just uh, constant struggles. Um, there was a period where he had seven um, temperatures of over 104 in a matter of t- uh, two weeks. Um, and they kept saying it could have been allergic to the rice fields. They're in Arkansas. It's an allergic reaction, all this. Well, 
it developmentally delayed him mm. to when uh, he would have been about, let's see, about three and a half uh, when we left and went to, to TCU and um, met with a specialist there, a neurologist, met with a couple other people, and they're like, ah, we don't know if he's autistic. He might just be developmentally delayed from some of his sicknesses. Sure. So they, they labeled him as developmental coordination disorder which just makes it delayed and not as coordinated. Well, then when we came to uh, LSU, we had, um, uh, last year, um, we had uh, met with um, a specialist. And fortunate here at LSU, one of um, uh, the kind of big donors or the big boosters here runs a thing that's an autism uh, awareness thing called uh, the Emerge Center, which they have special specialists in in autism and neurologists that can kind of done some studies. And they came straight out after meeting with him for about 10 minutes saying he's definitely on the spectrum. Hmm. He's definitely autistic. And maybe my wife were prepared already because we were the ones, all we were wanting is somebody to confirm yeah. that he is autistic. Yeah. Well, okay. Cause no matter what, you know, as a parent and you're, you're going to, as a dad, you're going to have a son and you're sitting there thinking, Hey, I want I'm looking to throw it forward to playing catch or, you know, shoot hoops, this and that. That wasn't going to happen because he's in, his love is music. His love is hmm. other stuff. And we knew he was different, and we knew he was delayed, and we knew his speech was behind. We just needed somebody to say, hey, he is. He's autistic. Now let's put a game plan to, to help yeah. him be successful. I was going to say, in some ways, that was probably a relief once you finally got that confirmation, right? Yeah, it was, emo- it was emotional for me and her because it's all we wanted uh, somebody to say and we wanted to uh, put a game plan in order, but it was it was, it was was relief. And it was like, hey, we're not crazy. We're not sitting here thinking, hey, telling people, hey, we really think he is autistic or he's on the spectrum. Um, because me being around special needs kids, me having a special needs sister, yeah. I know autism when I see it. I know kids. And it's a broad, broad, broad spectrum. But I knew he was. And, and so then, ever since then, we were able to get him accommodations at a school. And it's just, it's been a, a, a lot easier to move forward now that we've got somebody with a medical background confirming it. Yeah. Uh, we'll move to some of the, the, the better, the positive stuff. But once you guys get that confirmation and you start moving forward with that kind of plan, what, what were some of those struggles early on or even now? Uh, that you guys specifically have dealt with and, and, and that he's dealt with? Yeah, okay. So he's, his, his speech, uh, Capri, our young one, who's four, and, and Caleb's the seven, it's easier to understand when Capri's talking at age four hmm. um, it's, uh, than it is seven. He's getting better uh, through speech therapists and occupational therapy. That's a big struggle because that is makes him socially awkward a little bit when he's around kids his age sure. because it's, uh, there's an obvious. You can't tell by look, but you can tell by his interaction and his verbal skills, uh, his motor skills. Um, we could sit here and you could do a coloring, him and Capri. Capri can color in the blinds at three, four years old. Caleb still struggles controlling it. So he's a computer wizard. <laughs> you give him a computer, he's a, he, he can work through it. You can tell him, that, um, you can give him five iPhones and give him five different passcodes. He'll remember all five after just telling him one. It's almost like, it's almost like Rain Man. Like he remembers names, dogs, 
Um, he can tell you every mascot and what the mascot's names of <laughs> almost every Division One program. It's <laughs> awesome. His biggest talent is because he's got a tick. Is his music obsession? He does a. He's got music lessons, drum drum lessons, uh, once a week. Um, we've got it hired in. He's a music like phenom. Like he's that's what he's gonna do in life is play the drums uh, and play in a in a marching band. Um, he gets up at five eight a.m. every morning and plays. Uh, uh, somebody's marching band on his iPad. Right now he's infatuated with Notre Dame. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts, and it's something that we can't, me and my wife can't critique, because yeah. we know nothing right. about music. <laughs> All we can do is just get him lessons. Yeah. Oh, man, 5 a.m. drums. Like, man, you couldn't pick something a little bit quieter, kid? <laughs> no, and it drives me nuts. And so, like with the pandemic, the one thing with autistic kids is they they have to have a routine. Yeah. And once they're out in the routine, they struggle. Well, we've had to implement a rule that you cannot play your flute, your trumpet, or your drums till 4 p.m. And so... 4 p.m., and then you can play it the rest of the day, rest of the night, whatever, but 4 p.m., and if you don't behave during the day, you don't get your 4 p.m. Uh, yeah. drums, and so it's been successful so far. <laughs> Good work as you but, pivot to yeah. homeschool parent. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm fortunate because Nikki, uh, uh, my, my boss, her husband Justin's got kind of a music lab, and when we go over to their house, Justin makes beats and stuff, and so he just says, Kalis, let's go. Kalis huh. puts his headphones on, and he's in music heaven. It's amazing. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. that certainly sounds like a joyful part, but just to kind of continue on that that note, for you guys, again, you, you knew there would be struggles and there would be challenges, but uh, what kind of things positively or what kind of stuff has come up that – because of him him being on the spectrum, because of you know the things that you're having to do to to help him, what kind of positive things have have kind of come about this that you you wouldn't have seen coming? Um, I, I think I see it most in our neighborhood. We live in a unique neighborhood where we live on a lake, but it's houses all around the lake, and it's a uh, kind of a walking trail, like uh, people can ride their bikes. Mm. And just in around our lake. There's 27 kids um, that are in between the age of 5 and 12. Um, and there's not a single kid on the lake that doesn't accept Calix. Uh, wow. It's almost like, the, and that, that goes back to the parenting oh, yeah. of, these, of these kids. They all know that Calix isn't the same. And there just, there just happens to be one kid across the lake that is a year older than Calix, that's introvert, that likes to do video games, likes to do piano lessons, that their parents haven't got him tested, but I can see that there's some similarities, mm. and they've become instant friends. Mm. And that's all a person, that's all a kid needs. I, I'm convinced. Kids in elementary school or younger kids, all they need is one friend that they can socially interact with. Yeah. And We've been really fortunate here. And Caleb just learned to ride his bike without training wheels this past week. And it's like a cheering group as he goes around the lake on the thing. That's encouraging as a parent because they know that how much that means to him. That means that, that he's, he's almost like, oh, he's happy. He's accepted as yeah. any kid, autistic or not, wants to be. Um, 
that's been a benefit. But the other thing is, is I'm fortunate at LSU, the people here are amazing. If it's not, if we'll weigh the men's basketball coach, uh, the volleyball coach, gymnastics coach, our AD. They know Calix, and Calix, Calix's highlight is he's ran the band at an LSU basketball game before. The drum, uh, the music, the band instructor, yeah, and the, and the band instructor was on it. It hits the local news that he's directing it as the conductor, and he's spot on. That's encouraging because all you're wanting is your kid to, to feel like he's accepted or that he's just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, that's been very, very encouraging. And it's also been encouraging that we kind of know that his developmental coordination uh, disorder, he can ride a bike now. I've got a basketball hoop in our backyard. I make him run around the lake if he wants to go do something. Like, you can just see his confidence growing because he's, uh, he's working through some of his fine motor uh, skill problems. Yeah, that's incredible. You you mentioned LSU, and I know you and I were talking about before we we started recording. But uh, you guys had a game this year uh, where you you know brought some awareness to autism, and you talked about kind of that connection with some some men's coaches. And so uh, just to to dive into that piece, if you don't mind, kind of sharing what uh, you and I were talking about beforehand. Yeah, it goes back to when I was at TCU. Uh, Tom Herrian was on the men's staff there. And Tom's son, Robert, would come up, and he was autistic. Uh, he's a teenager. And now uh, Tom's the assistant at South Florida. Well, every year, Tom would get with a bunch of the men's coaches, and they would wear their uh, blue puzzle piece for an autism game, usually around almost the same time as, you know, you would see the play for K games. So um, late January, early February, a lot of times. Yep. Um, and he would do it, and I would always be like, I'd get a band. I'd you know, be like an autism speak band, and puzzle and stuff because I just like I like promoting stuff like that I like to promote awareness if it's breast cancer awareness autism awareness whatever it was had no clue that Kalitz was autistic at the time um so then Tom I always stay in touch with him I said Tom I want to get some uh pins uh for my for our staff and for uh, you know other people that would like to promote it um uh, because autism is a very um uh, uh evident in today's society there's a lot of autistic um individuals and He's like, hey, why don't you get in, I'll give you the, in, in touch with Catherine at Autism Speaks, and she'll get you squared away. And so she sent me a pack of pins, and I'm a, you know, Nikki was great. Everybody wore one. And so against Missouri on February 10th, our home game, we, uh, we did a little autism awareness game. And I wasn't, um, wasn't aware until one of my players came up, and I was always wondering why she was so good, one of our best players why she was always so good with Kayla. And she goes, Coach, seeing Kayla makes me miss my brother. And I said, what? And she goes, yeah, she had an autistic uh, brother. Wow. And I was like, this is this is great. So now in the pandemic, she FaceTimes with them either once or twice uh, a week, and they've got this unique relationship. But that would have never transpired if yeah. we would have had that, that game on uh, on February 10th. And it's going to be a it's going to be a a yearly thing no matter where I'm at, yep. um, and eventually at some point we're going to start up Calix's cause, which is going to be a uh, autistic foundation that it's going to be more support group, but it's also autistic kids are infatuated with superheroes and stuffed animals. <laughs> There's going to be you're not going to find a lot of kids that aren't even infatuated with a superhero or a stuffed animal, and what it's going to be is it's going to be we're going to have a support group, but it's going to be me and my wife reaching out in some sort of support, 
with our team, but also going to send them right when they find out either a superhero or a stuffed animal yeah. or if it's a music, something that's going to be like, hey, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Because awesome. every autistic kid is infatuated with at least one thing. And when they get infatuated, they become a pro in whatever that is in their knowledge. Mm. We'd probably all be better served if we were that good at that, right? Honestly. Oh, without without a doubt, it's 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 a it's a talent. And I always my my comment about it is, just because you're different doesn't mean you're deficient. And so, hmm. just because you're different doesn't mean you're deficient. And and that's what take the autism out of it. You know, me, you, we all. Some people, not everybody's going to be receptive to us, but that's fine. Yeah. Because you know we're not we're not all made to you know to fit in and you know, we're made almost to stand out and kind of create your own purpose and your own journey. Yeah, that's good. What are some of the misconceptions about autism, either that maybe you guys had before you dealt with it, or that you find that other people have that aren't actually true? Well, one of the biggest misconceptions is all oh, they're just. It's not, it's not that difficult to deal with them. It is. It is because they don't, they don't think the same way we do. They don't function the same way. They, we don't, they struggle communicating. Um, there's a lot of nonverbal autistic kids. It, and so I think it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's tough because some parents live in a denial that they don't want to accept that their kid is autistic. Yeah. Where the sooner you accept and you cope, the faster you can um, you, you can provide and, and find a way for to, for them to be productive and efficient. Um, and, and that's going to be the key because that, that helps them. Because no matter what, they're going to be able to do something in life beyond like the high school years or beyond. The, there's some, some of the most successful people in the world have a disability. Ed Sheeran is on, Ed Sheeran is on the autism spectrum. Tony Braxton's uh, got a kid that's on the autism spectrum, and she's one of the biggest advocates. Um, you know, they're in just women's basketball. Uh, the coach at Loyola, her, her and her wife are uh, are yep. dealing with having uh, a Kate Down Archer. syndrome yep. uh, child. Yeah, and there's just there's so many things. I mean, you can go all the way back to you know uh, Doug Flutie, uh, you know, uh, you know, going for a cause. Everybody's got something that they want to support or. Or, or, or promote. Um, so when you think when you think that uh, it's not going to happen to me or not, everybody knows at least one autistic person in their life. Yeah. They're, they because they, that's just how how evident it is in, in today's society. Um, but they're some of the most interesting but amazing individuals. With um, I'll get you out of here on this one. Just kind of with. All of this now is context, and again, I really appreciate you you being so open with me. Um, what would kind of be, and I'm leaving this open ended for you, but just your your final message or you know a point maybe that you you'd want to make to people uh, about autism, about uh, supporting causes for it and everything. Just what would be that one message or or thing that you would want to make sure to say to people here uh, listening to this? Well, if you're fortunate enough to be able to uh, support um causes of any sort just know that and that that's fortunate on your part because not everybody's able to do so and as much as i feel 
uh, fortunate for my son because he's got parents that can uh, accommodate him and stuff. There's kids that don't. They don't have the resources and they kind of get, uh, you know, pushed aside or whatever. So the more you can support, the more of a chance there is that they might be able to touch or the more that they might be able to be assisted. Um, and that's in your schooling. That's in, uh, in, in everything. But no matter what you support, if it's autism, breast cancer, uh, mental health is a big one right now, support it because you know it's going to benefit somebody. It might not benefit necessarily you, but it's going to benefit somebody that needs it um, because everybody needs a little bit of help. Our, our world, and if there's anything that this pandemic is showing, is we need to slow our roll and serve others more. Yeah. Serve others more. Find a way, to if you've got the resources, to help others. Because no matter when we go, when we leave this world, we're not taking anything with us but our legacy and if we left a mark. And... It doesn't matter if you've uh, in basketball, if you've won a thousand games, or if you've won two, um, you can still we can still uh, uh, assist and help others. We can use our platform to provide for others because we have been fortunate, um, and, and that's my biggest thing that I that I always try to convey to people is think about others, serve others, and then also uh, listen more, talk less, because. Yeah. There's so much to learn out there. Yeah. So much to learn. Yeah. So good stuff. Well, cool. Well, I really appreciate it again. Seriously. Um, thank you. And um excited to see the future as as Calix continues to to grow and, and flourish as he's doing and, and excited for uh that, that calls for you guys to get that rolling too. But uh really, really appreciate you taking time for us, coach, and uh thanks for sharing your guys' story. Blake, I appreciate you, and I appreciate not just this conversation, but all the advocacy you do for women's basketball. You do uh, to promote, um, you know, everything that you do, and it, it, I can speak for a lot of people. We're thankful that uh, to, to have you. Well, I appreciate that, man, and I hope that we can uh, see each other in a gym sometime sooner rather than later. That'd be great. Thank you. Well, thanks again to Aaron for sharing his story and, and being open with us. Again, I, I just I wanted to do something different, and uh, using our platform for others is important. So I'm really happy to have had a chance to have Aaron come on and talk about his son and his family, and um, certainly feel better off now knowing uh, their story. Uh, thank you for listening. Again, I know this is a, a little bit of a deviation from the normal thing, but I hope you enjoyed part one of our Autism Awareness Month little mini series here on the podcast we'll have part two coming out a little bit later but uh thanks for listening always to the jump around and until next time